Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hi, I'm Mark Deluzio, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Lean 911 Podcast. Episode 10, we're going to talk about, well, I guess the title is My Brief Encounter with Greatness. It's all about the time that I got to meet and and have lunch with Dr. Joseph M. Duran, who, as you probably know, along with Deming, one of the greatest quality gurus that this country has ever produced. And I want to tell you a little bit about the story, some anecdotes uh, in terms of uh, my brief history with him. And look, I'm not trying to sit here and say I was mentored by Joran or anything like that, but I want to talk more about my experiences with him, albeit brief, my experiences with him and what kind of person he was. As a matter of fact, if you go onto YouTube and look up Steve Jobs and Dr. Duran, when when Dr. Duran went into Apple, uh, Steve Jobs talks about Duran and what kind of person he was. And what Steve Jobs said about Duran definitely mirrored my experience with him as well. So uh, I think there's some lessons to be had here, more so than just quality, but more about what a quality person Dr. Duran really was. So let me start the story. Uh, way back in, uh, yeah, it was 1994. Um, I was running the Danaher business system, and we were looking for some benchmarks other than Toyota. Of course, we definitely had our fill with the guys uh, with uh, from Shingajitsu who continued to work with us to develop the Danaher business system. Shingajitsu, as you know, uh, the principals there were the first lieutenants of Tayashiono, who was the father of the Toyota production system. So I got to work especially with the the president, Iwata, and Chihiro Nakao, who was an unbelievable mentor to all of us. And uh, so we were looking for another take on on quality and all that. And I had the, the bright idea to say, hey, why don't we call the Duran Institute down in Wilton, Connecticut at the time? And we were located in Connecticut. I was anyway. And, and so I called down and I said, hey, geez, I'd like to try to get Dr. Duran to speak at our upcoming executive conference. So his assistant took my information and says, look, let me talk to you. Let me talk to Dr. Duran. Uh, and, and why don't you send me something on the den or her business system, as I explained to her. So I sent her this pathetic pamphlet. I look back at that pamphlet now and I look at it and say, oh my God, it was, it was pathetic, right? But we had this little gray book that had the Danaher Business System House, and it was really kind of a cheapy type of thing. But uh, anyway, I sent it, sent it along to her. Uh, we weren't much on fanfare and, 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 and you know, uh, big productions at Danaher. We were a very basic, you know, a matter of fact type of company. Maybe, maybe Dr. Duran appreciated that. I don't know. So I would say maybe about two or so weeks later, I was in a meeting. And my uh, executive assistant came in and she says, Mark, your doctor's on the phone. I go, oh my God, what happened? You know, something happened to my wife, something happened to my kids. I, you know, why is this doctor calling me? Right. So I got out of the meeting, I took the call, and who was it? It was Dr. Duran, 
personally himself. And I, I, you gotta be kidding me. You know, Dr. Duran calling me, right? So he says to me, Mark, uh, I, I, I got your request to speak at your conference and I'm not doing that anymore. I'm 89 years old and I'm writing my memoirs, uh, before I die, I'm writing my memoirs and, and, uh, I, 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 I can't come to your conference. However, if you come to my farewell tour, which one of them was going to be in Connecticut, Cromwell, Connecticut, I will make sure you and I have lunch. I'm thinking, okay, sure. You know, uh, I said, okay, well, that's fine. You know, and then he said, well, look, I got your, your, your brochure here and on the Danaher business system. And I'm really intrigued by this. And he asked me a bunch of questions about it. And let me tell you, this went on for almost an hour. And he was at 89 years old, unbelievably curious about what we were doing. And, and, and then that's when I really realized, you know, if you're really committed to this, the learning never stops. Right. So, so anyway, we talked for about an hour. He asked me all kinds of questions about what we were doing and blah, 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 blah. And asked a lot about policy deployment. And he said it mirrored very closely what he called strategic quality management, which how he deployed quality. There's a lot of parallels between what we were doing called policy deployment, which is now, of course, called, I call it strategy deployment. Some people call it ocean planning, ocean connery, whatever. And so he was intrigued by the whole thing. And again, I, I could not get over somebody of his stature, somebody of his knowledge and experience being so curious about what we were doing, right? And I'm kind of sitting here saying, well, probably what we're doing is elementary to him, right? But nevertheless, he was unbelievably uh, uh, curious and wanted to learn more and more about what we're doing at 89 years old. So all you guys out there who get these certifications, who think you know it all, just remember Dr. Duran at 89 years old was trying to learn at that point in his life, okay? So anyway, hung up the phone. I booked the conference. Uh, it was happening a little bit later in the year. And I went down with like six or seven of my my guys and gals that we all went down to this conference. And at that conference, there were about 400 people. It was a huge, huge, huge conference, right? And so here I am, I'm in the men's room, and this may sound a little bit off color, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. I'm standing at the urinal, and who comes walking in in his little tuxedo? He always wore this black tuxedo with a nice little bow tie, kind of looked like a waiter almost, you know. Short guy, he wasn't very tall. And he, he stands right next to me in the urinal, urinal next to me, and he looks at me. Now, he didn't know who I was at this time. And I didn't want to tell him who I was either because I wanted to kind of see if he would remember to have me, you know, go to lunch. So anyway, we're standing there and he says to me, you know, I've been doing these talks for 70 years and I still get nervous doing them. And it's like, wow, here's one of the most famous quality guys that ever walked the planet. And he's breaking down, telling me his insecurities at the urinal. So although many people have known him much, much more, there's probably not too many people who could say they took a leak with Dr. Duran. Okay. So, uh, and I did. Okay. So anyway, he left, you know, we went out and sat down waiting for the conference to start. And the whole conference was just him sitting up on a stage in front of a table. He had a bunch of, you know, some notes in front of him. Can't remember what they were, maybe index cards. 
And he just went on and on for a couple, three hours, just talking about quality. Yeah, I think he had a few slides. Talked about his background. Talked about he's from Romania, and he he was kicked out by his parents at age 16 and kind of had to make it in the world, you know, uh, made it over to the United States, and I guess the rest was history. And he actually worked with uh, with uh, with Deming and actually worked with uh, uh, Schuhart, who is the official father of Total Quality Management. Even though I know Deming gets a lot of credit for that. Schuhart, who is the founder of Statistical Process Control, SPC as we know it, uh, which morphed its way into somehow this thing called Six Sigma. Um, anyway, those all, all those guys kind of worked together, and, and Duran became the person that he was. You know, again, you got to remember that after World War II, Deming was asked by, uh, and Duran was asked by uh, General MacArthur to go to Japan and help rebuild that country. And that's, you know, Deming is still held out as a, as a, uh, as a, a, a national hero for instituting and, and, and sparking the Industrial Revolution in uh, in Japan. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, in the 60s anyway, I remember the big joke, transistor radios made in Japan, it's all a bunch of junk, right? I remember that. Where'd you get that? If a kid's toy broke, we'd say, where'd you get that? Did you buy that in Japan, right? That was the whole nature of how people thought about Japan manufacturing. Well, that didn't last long, did it? As we look at Toyota and some of the other great companies that are there, producing some of the greatest quality products in the world today. And you got to remember the arrogance that we had in the auto industry back then. We didn't want to listen to a guy like Duran or Deming. So they went to places that wanted to listen to them, and that happened to be, in this case, Japan. So now we're all trying to play catch-up, right? We're trying to learn PDCA from Deming, and we're trying to learn all the different quality tools and Pareto, which I'll talk about in a minute. So, you know, now we're saying, oh, geez, we, we kind of missed an opportunity to be great, right? Uh, so anyway, we sat through the conference and at lunchtime, this gentleman comes over. First time I ever met him, his name was Dr. Well, at the time, I don't know if he had his doctorate, but uh, Joe DeFeo. Well, I became friends with after, and he became the CEO of the Duran Institute eventually. And now I believe because their company got bought out, he is the chairman, executive, the chairman of the Duran Institute. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, uh, Joe, Joe and I went to the same college together. We went to Central Connecticut State University. And uh, and Joe's a great guy, by the way. Uh, look him up if you if you don't know Joe DeFeo. But Joe came over, he was working for the Duran Institute, and it was being run by another guy at the time. I can't remember his name now, but uh, but Joe came over and said, Mark Deluzio? Somehow he knew who I was. Not sure how that worked, but uh, Dr. Duran would like to like you to join him for lunch. And so all the all my guys that were with me saying, hey, wait a minute, how do you rate? How the, how the heck do you rate? And I, I kind of really had a lot of fun with that, you know, with my, with my people. Look, you know, there's some important people in this world, you know, and obviously it's not you guys, you know, and I, I played it up, you know. But anyway, Joe comes over and asked me to have dinner, have lunch with uh, Dr. Duran. So I, I, I had lunch with him and we talked about all kinds of things. Uh, what, a, what a pleasant guy. But how he made me feel was whatever dumb question, and I'm sure I asked a bunch of dumb questions, he made me feel like it was the most important question he was ever asked in his life. He made me feel like nobody ever asked him that question before. 
and maybe my questions were so dumb that that was probably true. <laughs> but but the way he just related, whether it was the janitor or the CEO, it didn't matter to him. He was a kind of guy that just connected with people and really made you feel special, right? But then his answers were pretty phenomenal too. So one of the questions I remember asking him was, uh, what's your favorite quality tool? And he said to me, without hesitation, he said, it would have to be the Pareto diagram because I'm the one that invented it. <laughs> you know, well, Feldo Pareto was a, it was a European economist and, and, uh, and statist statistician who noticed the 80-20 rule, you know, 80% you know, of the land is owned by 20% of the people, same with wealth. And that 80-20 principle ended up becoming a very common phenomenon anywhere you look in life. You look at IQ, you look at wealth, you look at book sales, you look at podcasts. The 80-20 rule is a natural, almost like a natural law uh, of, 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 of everything that we do. And so he said the Pareto diagram is very powerful. And uh, it's my favorite quality tool. Which, by the way, since then, I've recommended most problems be solved with Pareto, not because of that, but because my experience with Pareto is an incredibly powerful tool. It looks simple, but it's actually difficult to use if you don't know how to use it. All right. And uh, normally, when you do a Pareto analysis, you're 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 using multiple Paretos to look at the same set of data. 500 different ways, right? Then I asked him, I said, well, what's your least favorite quality tool? He says, you know, I don't like quality function deployment, QFD, which I, I, got, tra I got trained in QFD back from Ford. Uh, I went to one of their seminars out there in Detroit or Dearborn or whatever it was. Anyway, he said, I don't like QFD. It's too complex. Pareto simpler, he says. Now, I'm not sure QFD and Pareto have the same goals in mind when, in terms of what they're designed to do, but he did not like QFD. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting, you know, because some of the stuff that he does, and I have a signed copy of his book up here, um, were, uh, were uh, pretty complex stuff, of, of, you know, what he talked about, right? He also told me, he said, you know, <clears throat> you know and I used to be a finance guy, he said, if our quality systems had the same rigor and discipline as our financial systems, manufacturing in America would be much better off if we had the rigor and discipline. I mean, I've been to companies that don't even track their internal parts per million rejects. And when they do, they track it at the end of the line. They have no in-process checks or built-in quality, right? So, so he, he made the analogy to financial systems, which I thought was pretty interesting. Right. So the the seminar ended, you know, I, I had him sign his copy of his big quality control book. Uh, so I have that signature, which is kind of nice. He also sent me a very nice letter because I sent him a, a set of Danaher tools, Craftsman hand tools. We made all the Craftsman hand tools. And it was funny, a, a good friend of mine who was the president of that division, Tom Selenik, um, said, Mark, we got to handpick these these sockets to make sure there's no defects. If we're sending them to Duran, so he personally himself selected the sockets, which tells tells you our quality probably wasn't really where it needed to be at the time. And uh, uh, again, this was what, 1994, so it was very early days of DBS. 
And he hand-selected, and I got this beautiful letter back from Duran, signed by him, stating oh, the perfect quality and impeccable. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read that, that letter because it's right up here. Hang on. This letter was dated May 12th, 1994. So he was 89 years old. And he sent it to me. Dear Mr. Deluzio, many thanks for that set of tools which arise safely. They are superb, precise, practical, and beautifully packaged. The people who buy them must be as proud of them as the people who built them. Thanks also for your kind comments, which I appreciate deeply, sincerely, Dr. Joseph J.M. Duran. Okay, that was the letter. Uh, if you're looking online here, I'm holding that letter up right now because I got it framed. All right. And, uh, you know, he took the time to write a personal note like that. And that's the, just the kind of guy he was. So I guess what's the real lesson here? Is it about Pareto? Is the lesson about, you know, uh, uh, quality? Yeah, maybe. But it's how he treated people, I think, is the real lesson here. Subsequent to this meeting, and I never saw him again, I got seven or eight years in a row, because he died He died at age 103, so I knew him, knew him at 89. I've got several Christmas cards from him with a personal letter in each one. Well, not personal. You know, it's a Christmas letter that goes along with Christmas cards. Everybody seems to do those these days. And in each one of these letters, he talks about <clears throat> he talks about uh, uh, the he's writing his memoirs. He has to do it before he died. Each one kind of says, oh, "I made it another year." You know, he and his wife were married for geez, I don't know, over seventy years, I think. She died, I think, before him. But what a wonderful man! And and you know, and he would send me these Christmas cards every year with the with the letter. You know, and again, I don't, want, I don't want to say it was a personal letter to me. It wasn't. It was a standard Christmas letter that people put into the letter about their family and about their life and all that stuff. And I still have those. And as a matter of fact, if you would email me, I'd be happy to send you the PDF copies of those. They're, uh, uh, they're, they're kind of neat to read. All right. I, I think they're a part of history to some degree. And um, I guess that's it. You know, I guess, you know, uh, even though it was a very brief encounter with greatness, as I call this, it was impactful to me, more so about who this guy was and how he didn't really think he was all that big of a deal, you know? He just wanted to make everybody's lives better, and he worked, I think, until he couldn't work anymore to uh, make this world just a little bit better place. And uh, I think as uh, as lean or CI professionals, we have to think about what footprint we're going to leave and uh, the impact we're going to have on on the world and i think uh dr joseph duran is a perfect mentor to all of us whether you know him or not he's a perfect mentor to all of us in that regard so anyway god bless dr duran uh and uh his family and i'm going to sign off now but i thought i just i just pass along this this little story about him and how how he impacted me. And he didn't have to me, impact me because he was a great man. He impacted me more about how he treated me and how he thought I was the biggest thing in the world since sliced bread, and I wasn't. God, I mean, 
I mean, this guy was just unbelievably amazing. So anyway, hope you enjoy the story. Uh, hopefully you can uh, take something from that. And hopefully this story can make your life just a little bit better as well. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lean 911 podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at lean911.com. You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark DeLuzio. Thanks for listening.